0: Welcome to another episode of the Her Story Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Miller. This week, I continue with part two of the three-part series I recorded this summer with the women who are part of creating the Known by Name series. This week, my guest is Casey Van Norman. I can't tell you how much I love my conversation with this woman because she's just so raw and vulnerable in sharing her story. Casey is no stranger to having painfully hard chapters in her life that include a difficult childhood sexual assault and rape when she was a teen battling addictions a public infidelity that threatened to destroy her marriage and ministry then when Casey finally felt like she had the hard part of her story behind her and her ministry was set to explode she was diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer that shattered her spirit and rocked her faith to its core today she shares the truth that no part of our life story is wasted but purposely designed and used by God to shape who we are meant to be.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Casey. Thank you, Andrea. You're so nice to have me. I'm so excited.
0: Well, I am excited to talk to you too, because I've uh, dug into to finish one of your books and about halfway through another one. And I am just like, "Ah, uh, I'm just, your story has so many parts to it. And goodness, the Lord has taken you on quite a journey. So I'm excited yeah. to dig in. So oh, I'm going to, I am just going to read your basic little bio, but then I want you after I do that to tell me, I, you have a part on your website that I love. It's like, if you really knew me, you would know. <laughs> And if you could just share a couple of those things with us after I just give you the basics, okay? okay? Okay. So Casey, Casey Van Norman is a best-selling author, counselor, cancer survivor, and Bible teacher. You live in Byron College Station, Texas, um, with your husband Justin, and you have two kids, Emma, Grace, and Lake. So yes. that is kind of just the facts. Now you tell me the if you really knew me, and if you want to add something yeah. else besides like what's on your website, something else fun. I'm good with that too.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm gonna say it's Brian College Station, which is oh, good. Brian. Okay. It's very confusing. Very confusing. It's two towns in one, okay. but uh, people are serious about it here. So I'm gonna correct. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna Thank hear you it. for correcting me on that one. So I live in a town with 150,000 aggies texas okay. a&m university okay. is 10 miles from my front door and it is a huge university we love it and the football games are off the rails i mean they that we shoot a cannon with a touchdown and every house in the town shakes oh, it is awesome it's such a fun town so that isn't well it. You really I, need I, me. Not, I live with a
0: I was gonna say I don't have a lot of experience with Texas at all, except that you guys are your own other country is always well <laughs> I know I live in Oklahoma right now. Yeah, I was gonna I'm, say how I'm do from you Kansas pronounce... City. I Owassa, Oklahoma, but I'm from Kansas City, so all this southern oh football gosh. stuff is just like cause we were had the Kansas City Chiefs, so we were more of like professional football. So the college thing is a whole other ball game.
1: For it's sure. a whole other
0: level. <laughs>
1: yeah. I kind of want to move to Oh, do you say Owasa?
0: Yeah. Owasso, Oklahoma, right Owasso. by Tulsa. <laughs> See, yes.
1: I Owasso, know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so how what's the main city point from you?
0: We <laughs> have Tulsa. Okay,
1: we're just Tulsa, like, yes. Yeah. Got Tulsa. Just Been like to Tulsa many times. Love Tulsa.
0: Yes. So we're just about 20 minutes from there. So I probably okay. say we're from Tulsa. So um,
1: no, so, I want to know the real part. So real. yes, it it is it's a whole nother level. And then we joined the SEC a few years ago when we had um, an incredible football player, Johnny Menzel, that a lot of people know. And that just took our town to a whole nother level. So we're the second fastest growing city in the nation right now. And oh, wow, it's really all driven by the campus and Important. football. <laughs> and This thing that happened with SEC, where you've got ESPN cameras from November on it's, it's crazy. It's so much fun. And it gives us a chance to, um, just feel young at heart all the time and always have stuff to do and going on and fresh faces coming through your church. And uh, it's, it's great. We love it. Yeah, so much.
0: Absolutely. And a college town with all, you know, like you just said, young, fresh people coming through. So very fun. So that's a big part of your life. Any others,
1: if you others, if you really need me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Let's see. I spent a lot of time at the prison. um, <laughs> Yep. I work with inmates. I I work with inmates. I've been doing counseling and um, addiction rehab with female inmates at our at our local detention center for about 5 years and so okay. I spend a lot of time up there. It's pro- I'm probably more comfortable there than I am even at church sometimes. Um okay. Uh, let's see what else I think I say. On I it. could say oh, a lot. The- I could say a lot else. But you're you say a lot. You, you say are, whatever. I want to <laughs> keep it PG, <laughs> <You're> in- PG- <laughs> PG-13 rated for your podcast, girl. I don't want to take you to the explicit That's level.
0: Why so. <laughs> That's why you're stumbling. You're an Enneagram 3. You have an amazing tattoos. You're into ink. <laughs> all those really cool things about you. So people can check out your website and we'll put this in that in the show links to find out more about you. But um, we probably will get into your story, but I think that's kind of a good segue talking about your involvement in the prison ministry and you feel more comfortable there. And I think part of that, I know I'm sure part of that is because of your story and you're just so real about, it's been a hard journey for you. Um, And you tried to play church for a while and how God shook that up. So if you don't mind, why don't you take us back um, to your childhood? And I think in your book, you say it was kind of marked by al- alcoholism, absence, and abuse. Um, mm.
1: So t- to take us back there. To the okay. Well, f- well, first and foremost, I want to thank you for reading and catching up on that. That's really meaningful, especially coming on a podcast. And you're just, every time you retell or replay any part of it, for any of us, our story, it's It's meant to, and God has wired our brain to trigger those same emotions and those same sensory experiences. And so for someone to have pre-connected to that is really Mm -hmm. meaningful. So I thank you for taking the time to do that. And um uh yes, I would I'll just say a really a broad brushstroke is yeah. Um I grew, you know, I grew up in Texas, which is the Bible belt of the world, and it's just really you, you start out going to church. You're born into the church um, nursery, really. And mm-hmm. even if you're not parents or uh, keisters, as I call it, the Christmas and Easters, you still have such a culture of um, conservative, really, in my area, which is the kind of the Central East Texas area, just a very conservative evangelical worldview. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know much outside of that. And it's just so easy to fly under the radar of Christianity um, and use that during the day to clean yourself up and, and really fool everybody. And that's what I did just for so much of my life. And that's what everybody did around me. You know, there's a church every two miles in my town. And so, um, you know, but I don't have the story. I, I, here's the crazy, wonderful thing about God. He, he, sets his eternity within our heart in such a way that draws us to him. I think from our very breath, I mean, if you are meant to be with him, you are going to be with him. And he has such an intricate, personal, unique way of calling each one of us to himself. And for some of us, it takes an entire lifespan for others. We're children and we can recall that moment very plainly. Although the circumstances did not make sense. Uh, And so, for me at nine years old, I so vividly had an experience with the Lord where I knew that He was real in every sense Mm -hmm. of the word. And I didn't know much about Him other than what I heard my Baptist preacher say on Sundays that I was catching in my little nine, 10 year old brain because my home life did not match anything, um, of what he was saying or what the families depicted that were sitting next to me in the pews. And so I was super confused going home to, um, a mother who was really struggling with the low side of depression, a father who struggled with the high side of depression, um, and getting a divorce. So separation's happening, divorce is happening. My father's in and out of our home. And, there's substance abuse going on in all forms and fashions around me. And, um, it, it was not a volatile home environment during those seasons. It was just extremely absent. And sometimes that's the most devastating is that no one is saying anything. Right. Um, so it wasn't like people were, you know, a level 10 screaming at each other and throwing people against the walls. It was, just more of that numb, paralyzed, no emotion, no feeling. And if you started to bring it up or started to ask a question, you are, you know, um, shamed for it or guilty or, you know, told to just go to your room. We'll talk about it later. So, so many people experience this swept under the rug. Um, All right. And,
0: and like you said, that can almost be harder in a sense because. You're thinking maybe there isn't anything wrong, but internally you're feeling something wrong. And um, like you said, I think it was in the book, or you put you started just putting on masks and trying to be this good Christian girl and pretending yeah. everything's okay. And you probably were thinking, well, maybe it is okay, but knowing that it really wasn't. Um, yeah. And that was one of your quotes that come out. It said up until age fifteen, you did everything by the church pageant playbook, mm-hmm. meaning that you we're going through those motions had the mask on we're the good bible study girl all of that but yeah. um so yeah keep keep going and talk just a little bit about that because at 13 your parents did divorce to so talk about that time in your life
1: yeah they they did and it it just really got worse from there but i mean that's the worst part of most of our stories especially mm-hmm. as young women is 13 to 15 i mean you mm-hmm. are coming in to your prefrontal cortex you're not thinking rationally about really anything and you're overthinking everything and you just so desperately want to belong. And if you don't have a place to belong at home, where in the world do you feel that? And, um, you know, at nine, I had this moment with the Lord where I just knew he wanted me. It was, that's all I really knew. I just knew he wanted me and everything about him made sense to me. And maybe I just, wanted him so much. I just wanted some sense of, you know, um, a North point of something to hold on to. And, and so anyway, yeah, I did the church thing. And, uh, when I was 15 had a really horrific experience, the sexual assault and was raped by an older man. And, um, that was really a mess because I had been going through the motions of Christianity, and one of those things at fifteen is this this purity situation where you're going mm-hmm. to youth group, and your youth pastor is telling you, "Here, wear this true love weights ring and save yourself for marriage and keep yourself pure." And then, the, so the message is to to a teenager is because what we're doing at that time of our life is we are taking every incoming message and everything that we've established over the course of our sponge like childhood, and we are determining whether that thing is true or false of us. That's what our teenage brain is doing. And so at that time, um, what I'm hearing and what most teenagers are hearing are if I do this, this will happen. So if this is true of me, this will happen. If this is false of me, yeah. this is will happen. And so I'm reading this as um, okay, if I don't have sex with someone before I'm married, then the Lord is going to bless me. That's right. it. That's all I could compute, you know, is I'm gonna have a favored life and maybe. I'll have one of these families. (laughs) Maybe I will start to look like these families that I really desperately long to be, and the Lord will love me, and I'll be in his favor. And so for me to feel this, and really genuinely, as much as I knew, to be promising this to the Lord, and then to be molested, Mm. feels like I kept my promise, God, but you did not keep yours. Yeah, And it is this really, I mean, I think so many, I mean, I imagine every listener is going, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. I know exactly that place. I remember exactly that place that I was when I had this wall of of God where he was not what I thought. And if this is going to happen and why did bad things happen, you know, that kind of stuff. And that
0: message is, I mean, that's such a powerful point in your book, just talking about Oh, that message of purity that you were, you know, taught in the white evangelical church, but then, you know, we think about, oh, that's just keeping our girls and boys from having sex. But you have such a very real point in that is the rape. I mean, it's not, that was not something that you chose at all. And then how your teenage mind processed that, I think that's a message that we need to be aware of in the Christian church of what are we sending our girls about that purity message. We could probably, I know we could do a whole podcast on that in itself. So, um, but I, I I have a 16 year old daughter and raising her in the Bible belt has been very interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. again, we could do a whole podcast, but I think that's such a good point that you're bringing up with that message that we're sending, sending our girls. So at that time, I miss you, um, talk about how you still, you put that mask on, like, even a deeper layers of that mass, but you really started dealing with that shame um, in some other
1: ways. Yeah. So now you've got this, you know, internal wound that's festering into rage and bitterness and shame and not so much at the man, um, but more so at God. And that's what you can't see. And that's where the lines are so gray and blurry, especially Mm -hmm. when you're young is you're just, you're surviving. I mean, you're going to high school every day and you're showing up and you're just trying to hang on to some semblance of normalcy. So no way am I going to tell anybody. First of all, I've got a family that's totally fractured and broken. Second, I'm dealing with an older man who um, was extremely, had a really good reputation and his family were, they were very wealthy in town and no one would have believed me because we came from separate side of the tracks, literally. And I'm poor and he's rich and my family's messed up and broken and known as this thing. And his family's, you know, really put together and known as this thing. And so I'm also fighting this part of it um, going, no one would believe me if I said it. So you just cover it. But, you you know, of course, it's not covered. I I mean, you can play the part all day long, but you've got this internal wound that really traces so much further back to my dad leaving, my mom not being emotionally, all of these things Right, you start way back here, but we have a rupture. We have a thing that catalyst is a catalyst in our life that traumatizes us into the next thing where this thing really starts to take shape inside of us and form these identities and lies around us. And that was what this was for me. And so I played this role during the day and I really on the outside during the, sun (laughs) in the sun. Mm -hmm. I was a good girl. I looked I mean, I was the friend that moms wanted to come over and hang out with their daughters so that they would, you know, act right and be normal. And and I really loved people and I really loved friendships and I really loved the underdog and sought out people at school and I think for the most part was was beloved for a lot of those characteristics. But I was high at night, a totally different girl living an extremely rebellious life. And honestly, I go into a ton of that in the book, but also you you can just think of pretty much, you know, any, any rebellious thing. And I probably did it. So, right. And you really, and you
0: struggled with eating disorder and cutting and all of those, like you really kind of went to all the go-tos that, um, to mask that shame during that
1: time. I did. I did. Yeah. Cutting, cutting kind of randomly happened. Um, I kind of accidentally cut myself at a very young age on, on my arm. And it was so strange to watch, you know, kind of the blood start to roll down my forearm and Mm
0: -hmm. feel
1: the pain, but then have a, it was the only thing in my life I could control. And we're just, we're looking for these things. So like what I put in my body, or if I stuck my finger down my throat and made myself throw up, if I cut myself, if I chose, you know to have sex with a guy, if I chose to put a substance into my body, those, it, I felt my mind, the lie was you're in control. Yeah. You know, you had this thing happen to you that you were not in control. You can't get your parents back together. You can't fix your family. Um, you can't undo this rape. And now what you can control is this, is this. And so that's the lie that at the base level, oh, it absolutely all is. All of us
0: and is the lie. I mean, you being a, you, you being a counselor. I mean, you know when you see this. It's, I dealt with an eating disorder, teenage college years, um, and now the prevalence of cutting in our teens is mind blowing to me. Um, and when you're not in it you just like how, how could that be like how how could they go to that but you're right it's all about control and feeling like you're controlling what's going on you're mm-hmm. controlling the feelings but it's such a lie that the enemy right. throws throws at us and my heart breaks for so many girls just in the middle of shame and dealing that way um so yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that's why you, one of the reasons you got into counseling because you've been <laughs> there yeah
1: yes I began I always laugh because I'm only a counselor because I had Enough hours to just they just Uh, said, here's your degree. You you know, (laughs) you've clocked enough therapy hours yourself to (laughs) go. That's
0: so yeah. That's right. That's pretty. I think that's kind of typical of so many of so, so many
1: therapists. So. Oh, every therapist in my graduate class was, had <laughs> just had. So, we were so messed up, all of us. <laughs> oh, so I like
0: you said though. You were still like during the day, like this good girl. And you, one of your quotes is, "You filled your cravings with the spiritual fluff." So even your craving, like you were just feeling, go- filling those, going through these motions of just being that good girl on the outside. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really important to note because a lot of times um, I'll, I'll hear stories and this is true of them and their story, but that they had a lot of rebellious activity in their past. And then they came to know the Lord, kind of this come to Jesus experience, and then things started to change. And for me, that's really what I want to run home is because we can't, we don't get so caught up on, I was saved on this date, on this time at this experience, I think sometimes our salvation can be this, hear me say, once saved, always saved for me. But I do think our faith is maturing and growing and developing. And um, the way that this looks can really be working itself out from one degree of glory to another. And that is such a process. And so I had this moment, at nine, that I was saved. I mean, saved, went into my pastor's office on my own, was baptized, went through the whole thing and really, truly believed it in my heart. And I never doubted that. Never, not once in my whole life have I doubted my salvation, but I have doubted that the Lord loves me. (laughs) I've never doubted my salvation, but I've doubted if the Lord really can love someone like me. And so that, is the uh, my story. I'm I'm not trying to say I wasn't a Christian. I'm saying I was a Christian, very much saved, and still wrestled with some of the deepest, darkest, most vile, addictive sins you can imagine. And And I think
0: that is, like you just said, that is one of the most important aspects of your story. And I love it because you're really honest about that. Because, I mean, so many of the stories are my life before and after being saved, right? But you are just so real of like, I was saved, but still struggling. And I think we all need to hear that because that's where that shame comes in. When we do slip back or have these sins and we're not giving God the power. I mean, really, if we're basing our salvation on what we mm-hmm. are do, doing or not doing. Um. So yeah, such a powerful yeah. part of your story.
1: Yeah. And Andrea, why I tell this story and I, believe me, get plenty of pushback in books. And I have a book coming out this fall called nothing wasted, where I really, really go into the details of my story and this it's why God uses the stuff you wouldn't. And so Mm -hmm. it's going through every embarrassing, painful, shameful, sinful moment of our life and really creating this fabric of the Lord drawing us to himself, even through that. And, Uh, the reason that I share this, it's not that I don't feel all of these things. It's not that I don't still even now telling this and biting back, you know, kind of this knots in my stomach and um, even some of the same shame creeping back in and some of the same fears of what's going to happen if I really say this. But what I have seen, two reasons i want to be so honest and so authentic and continue to tell the worst parts of me, not in this, Hey, airing my dirty laundry, um, look at all this stuff, but in a way that women can just attach to and say me too. And yes, mm-hmm. please say this worst part. So I yeah. can see that there hope, there's hope because there is, and I have, I have experienced the other side and I have experienced restoration and reconciliation and I have experienced healing and there there are things in my life that no longer have power over me and I want women to know that I want women to know that yes I still have weaknesses I still struggle I still see those things I still have to put parameters and major boundaries um, but there is so much hope and healing that the Lord offers um, to believe him and trust him more today than we did yesterday. And mm-hmm. it really is possible. Secondly, um, I don't want women to wait <laughs> to take yeah. him up on his offer. Um, yeah. I don't want us to, uh, waste this. I I want us to use this life that we've been given, even the worst parts of us for the glory of God and for the love of others. and. That's what, you know, there are so many consequences that I live with, not in a way, not at all in a punishment way or a condemnation way. God is not condemning me. He is not punishing me. I just live in a fallen world, in a fallen body. With brokenness from my choices that I had responsibility for. And because I did not deal with my stuff, because I never shared my story, because I never opened up about my rape or my anxiety or my fear or my overachieving to anyone, not even my husband when I met him. Mm-hmm. Wow. I carried that into my marriage. I. Hmm. Love my husband very much. I love my children very much. And because I had this thing in me that was still festering inside of me, um, I still was there, still feeling traumatized and in this self preservation. And so I don't want women to go through what I did, which is uh, a three year adulterous relationship, uh, cheating on my husband. Showing up at church, leading in the church, and then the horrific repercussions of that choice in a small town that I grew up in and inside the church to, to drop to my knees and finally say, God, I Mm. am not in control and you don't want me to be in control. And there's so much freedom in the fact that you've set this thing up for you to be God and me to enjoy that. Mm
0: -hmm. And you are just so authentic about that part of your life with, like you just said, you did have a three-year affair and you share that in your book, which uh, I was just so thankful for your authenticity. And I am going to encourage women to read this book because the more authentic and real we can be with stuff like affairs, prescription addiction, like all of those things that, not like, oh, we struggled out in a teen, but we have real struggles right now as Christian moms in the Bible belt. Yes. And if we can't get real with those, I mean, it's just, I think it's the biggest tragedy really right now in our church and women's ministries. Um, but you share one of your greatest seasons of growing that you is when you became a target for Satan and you fell really hard. Yeah. Um, and that's powerful and just so honest. So that affair went on for three years at a time that you, like you just said, you were leading Bible studies, teaching all of that. Yeah. And yeah, I'll let you just talk Sorry. about that just yeah, a little bit. You tell yeah. me if
1: you have no. questions, feel free to cut in. Um, I want to say this too. Uh, so this, I have not written a book in five years. I have not written anything in five years except the Bible study curriculum that I think we're going to talk about in just a yes. moment. But As far as a memoir type personal story, my first stab at it, my first draft, so to speak, was named by God and that released in 2012. Well, the secret of my affair came out in 2009. So Mm -hmm. there was a ton of work still being done in my marriage, in the marriage of the other family, because this was an extremely close and personal situation. This was... Um, my best friend's husband and we'd been best friends for years and our kids had been growing up together. So, um, and yes, like you said, we were all leaders in the church. We were all Mm. mentors and um, on, I was on staff at the church. And so this was all with accountability, like that's what I just want people to understand how we're just, if we're playing at this shallow surface symptomatic level of our, of what we're doing, we are just missing it. Mm
0: -hmm. We're just all out
1: missing it because me saying out loud, I had an affair and I cheated on my husband takes people aback, but at the, really what takes Mm -hmm. a person aback is the, is the thought as you're hearing me say it, could I do that? And there's yeah. something about that. There's something about owning our motivations that level the playing field for all of us at the cross. Yes. And that blows us away. It, and that is really where um, the tempering is done. That's where the fire is. That's where this work is done of am I a Christian or not? Am I going to heaven or not? What happens when, the, when it's leveled? What happens when I strip away money? When I strip away status? your personality any enneagram tester is when i take all that away yeah and you have to you you look at me and say could i've done that we well, probably yeah. wouldn't have done that based on your upbringing but the motive and the intention and that the desires that we're constantly fighting to be god in our own life they're the same the same. And when we as women, as Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ can find ourselves on that level ground, we will get it. Yeah. We will get the gospel. We will see Jesus. We will learn to love others despite mm. ourselves and in spite of themselves. And we will start to love from a place that needs nothing in return. And but we've got to find ourselves level. And so that's what I see when I get to speak and when I get to travel and teach and when somebody, you know, calls me about the book and says, Hey, this just spoke to me. It's because they we're finding that sweet spot of grace with one another, which gives us access to that grace with Jesus, that vertical horizontal love yes. that is the kingdom here and now. And it's what I so long for, um, especially with my sisters. I just long for it. Oh. So Casey, I want to let you just keep
0: preaching. You have me like yes. tearing up because my gosh, you're speaking from your heart and just because you've been there and you've experienced like the grace and you've experienced just being nothing at the foot of the cross. And you're right. That is what sisters in Christ need. And any of us, I'm sure people listening when you just talked about, yeah, you had an affair, you were on the church staff with your best friend's husband, mm-hmm. like, <gasps> Mm, which is mm-hmm. of course it's awful it is but it is. I think we have to self-examine why why are we shocked by that why do we have a tendency to think a little less or question like yeah. where are we coming from and why do we have that because we are all such sinners and just we need that grace so much for each other um and I think it's such a good reminder I remember just in Jamie Ivey her book talks about sin shock and like when we have sisters and grace that tell us things like we cannot act appalled. like we have got to have a grace, loving, grace-filled, loving ear for them, um, because we're all just such sinners in need of His grace. Um, and like you said, we love so much more when we've experienced that. Um, oh, I want to let you keep preaching, Casey. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, so I get fired up, Andrea. I, I get fired you up.
0: Too. Oh, I love it. I kind of just forgot for a second I was listening to on this podcast. So I thought it was, but you're so honest too. I mean, people, women need to read your book because you go more into that, more into the healing process. Um, but I think the biggest thing too from that, you talk about, um, that you had just a new life that broke through in you through that extreme isolation and vulnerability. Cause it was a really hard time. It wasn't just like, oh, I have grace, I'm moving on. It was a right. really, really mm-hmm. hard time in your life. But um eventually a new life broke through, a new marriage, you right. and your husband's marriage. Like the Lord brought you through that, but it was hard.
1: Yes, yes. And I want women to hear me say this. And I'm so grateful for you, Andrea, that you are just putting a microphone on stories where we can share this and we can say it out loud. Um, it, it You cannot waste your wilderness because God mm-hmm. is using that. Uh-huh. And that's what's taken me 10 years to, to really see because that name by God was my first book. And um, that was just barely scratching the surface mm-hmm. of the work of what God was showing me on the other side of all of this. And then Then I got cancer. That's a whole nother story. I know that's what I said. (laughs)
0: We're going to talk a little bit about that because I started reading this week, that raw faith and that had me in tears too. So we have to talk a little bit about that part of your story, which. Okay. Well, it's almost too much.
1: It's too much. It's too much, (laughs) Andrea. It is. Uh, But what I, what I really, really want, I'm totally using this as a plug because I just, it's taken me 10 years to write this next book and it's, it's on pre-release right now at Amazon. It's nothing it wasted. Of, but right. it comes out in November Yeah, of this comes year. comes out in November. Yeah, nothing wasted. And it, and I just, because it's the 10-year journey of all of this stuff mm-hmm. and why, why did all of this happen? What was God doing? And not just in my life, but in all of our lives, well, how in the world is he using the most horrific sin of my life that damaged so many people? And that I still um, carry weight of in my life and still have to work on um, how is God using even that? And I think that's just a message that I feel is being missed. And that's maybe my therapy brain coming out too. is if we say too much that our past does not define us or that we're not that person or don't look back it's not that it's wrong it's just that it's not the most helpful i'm glad that you said that
0: because i've been struggling with that just um i'm getting ready to speak a little bit next month just about our story and our past and i that keeps going through my mind of don't let your past define you but i'm like i don't agree with that from all the Good. women i've talked to like your past <laughs> is you it's part of this process and this story i mean it's not the final chapter but gosh it's it is you I mean, yes. so I'm glad that you said that. And your quote, don't waste your wilderness, like, that's powerful. I love that. Because that, yeah, I think, is much, much better. I know. I think you need a t-shirt or something that says that.
1: <laughs> hey, thank you.
0: Okay. I like <laughs> Noted. Noted. Yeah. That. I mean, that is so, I wish we could start getting that message across. Then your past doesn't define you. Like, yeah, you don't waste. No, your past does. It's huge. It, it is. So, I'm glad you said that. Because um, yeah. I that has been going through my mind as well. So, um, okay, good. Okay. So, and well, I I'm
1: glad to- it's, I'm glad it's stirring in you too. And it's not that again, e- of course we know we, we've been raised in this culture. We know what everyone means to say, mm-hmm. and, and it is true that we are defined in God, but it's also true that God has, has orchestrated every part of our past to be God to us and to show his faithfulness to us and to teach us who we are and to really give us a lane to be in so that we're not always over here and over there and trying to do this and trying to do that. But him going, no, I've used your parents. I've used your upbringing. I've used your traumatic experiences, your sinful uh, responses to those experiences. I'm using all of that to right. show you exactly who I am so that you can see exactly who you are. And if you think about it, that's defining, that's yeah. shaping.
0: Because if you look at the other side, like, can you, I do this in my own life, I look at, if you took everything in your life that was hard away, or all the just worst times of your life, I think about who would I even be? mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't be who I am refined in Jesus and loving Jesus and loving people more. Like, I can't even imagine my life with none of the hard stuff. uh, Like So good. And you don't know why you're in it. And that's why like how you just said your book, the nothing wasted took you 10 years. It's a process. And when we're in it, it it just sucks and you don't want to be in it. And you're like, why God? So that's exactly uh, right. Yeah. So talk let's with that, with life sucking, let's on that note, let's talk about, which I just can't believe the cancer diagnosis. So, um, got in about halfway through your book, um, the raw faith. And I was just in tears because I'm like this woman has been through so much and she's finally got it together. Quote, got, <laughs> it, quote, got it together. And then this, and I just, Oh, uh, going through it. I know. I mean, you felt the same way. So talk a little bit yeah. about where you were in your life um, when you got that diagnosis. Cause you were in a good place in your life.
1: Yeah. Hey, Andrea it was so crazy because I didn't want to be a writer at all. I, I wanted to be a counselor. I mean, I went to school to be a counselor and was doing that work. And then all of this happened with the fallout at church. And I was in just a totally felt totally alone in an, in an isolation Mm
0: -hmm. for about a
1: year where we were just in a really small town. Everybody knew everything. And then it just blew up and it was this. And, you know, suddenly I was having an affair with five guys, not just, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. So we, um, just began to pray that the Lord would release us from this, whatever this looked like. We just, we didn't know what to do. We had no where point of thriving wherever we went. We'd actually been ki- asked to leave two different churches in the, in town because we just kind of had the drama associated with us anyway. So, um, but it was really hard because we, we all had our family there. I mean, all of our families were there, both my husband and I, and, um, had jobs there and, and income and had our ch- babies there and friends. And so it just, but just could not, there's just no thriving. And so we started to ask the Lord, Lord, just point us where, what, and Justin and I are in this incredible spot because what I'm doing is I'm at home alone. I've got nobody to talk to. So all I have is the Lord and Justin. Mm-hmm. And I am in the Bible and I'm writing. I had no idea I was writing named by God, but I'm writing named by God. And Justin and I are working on our marriage. We're seeing a counselor. We are talking. We are um, just trying to regrow our intimacy and really well-develop intimacy for the first time. And we get he gets a phone call uh, to move to another town. College Station, Bryan College Station, and take a job. Totally obvious it was the Lord. He just uproots everything and just plants us in Bryan College Station. We get this amazing do-over. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. We get a do-over in church and friends. Nobody really knows us. We have no connections. I can go to the grocery store and nobody's eyeballing me or, you know, giving me the side eye. You know, it is Mm -hmm. awesome. I am like, I feel like I'm out of jail, you know, and nobody knows my criminal history. And um, we are in Bryan College Station for really just a few months. And I start to have incredibly horrible pain in my groin area. And come to find out, I had actually, one of my ovaries had ruptured. Mm. And so I'm rushed in for an emergency hysterectomy. They take everything out while they're there. They find a a golf ball size tumor in my abdomen and they don't know it's a tumor. They actually come back and tell me it's like fatty tissue. um, They think nothing to be concerned about. And so months pass (laughs) and I totally forget about really everything. Like, no news is good news. And we're moving on and we're in such a good spot and my babies are starting school and my husband and I are just, we're thriving in our marriage. We're thriving in new small group and friendships and, and work. And I'm starting to write more. And I actually get this book deal. Here's the crazy part. I get a book deal with Tyndale House Publishers, a two book deal. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I've never written anything, but they, I've, I've sent the name by God and they, they love it. Thank goodness. And they say, hey, we're going to sign you to the next book. And I very plainly said, but I've written everything. Right. In the first I one, I don't <laughs> have any more life. <laughs> my well, story's what's, done. What's book two about? You know, you tell me yeah. what's book two about. I said, well, let's just see what happens. Mm. And I get cancer, you know. So oh, um, oh, so it is malignant. And, and I had two more tumors in my groin. And I had a um, oh. large B cell follicular Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage four. And anyway, two-year course of treatment and horrible, all of it. Yeah, I mean, there's no, it's horrible. It's such And not only it's, that,
0: you had just, and I think that's why I'm tearing up, reading through this book, because you had just walked through your mom dying two years before this with cancer. Yeah, And seeing yeah, that, true. I mean, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine it much worse And all those memories resurfacing, as you said, through chemo and just knowing what you saw in her. Um, yeah, I just, wow. And I know one of the things you talk about, well, several things, and we don't have a ton of time to get into raw faith, which I wish that we did, no, please. It's just, but people just need, <laughs> people need to read this book too. They need to read both of them, but women need to read raw faith is just, um you're you're really raw and authentic with it and you talk about too questioning like are you being punished so walk me through yeah that thought process a little bit because I do think as women we feel that like we've committed all these sins in our past we've done all these bad things had an affair so maybe God is punishing me so walk me through Mm -hmm. your thoughts on that
1: yeah I mean I think that's really the heartbeat of that shame and that condemnation that we want to, we, we kind of want to punish ourselves a little bit. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that's also a part of ourselves being God is we even have control over um, the consequences of our sin. And for me, there was such a pile up of such a, just a wake of pain and people that I'd hurt that after the initial shock, I mean, of course we went through weeks of, of shock and, um, you know, what do we do and starting chemotherapy? And I, and then you have a ton of time to think because you are in the bed, you are sick as a dog, you cannot get up. And so I'm in the bed for almost a year with a lot of, a lot of time and a mm-hmm. lot of my mind. And so I'm kind of silently wrestling with the Lord. And that's where I wrote raw faith, of course. And, um, raw faith has a lot of my journal entries in there of just feeling like God had picked this fight with me a little bit Um, but also is this a punishment for the affair for all the stuff that i did in my teen years, you know, as a result of the rape is, is this a punishment even for that? Like I'm wanting Mm -hmm. to punish myself. That's what I'm wanting because here's why, here's why we do this because we have invested enormous amounts of energy and time and resources into the lie. Yeah. So, Over the course of our life, we're kind of embracing this thing that we was established really early on, and we and it was really under you know our even awareness at that time that it was established. But messages have come along throughout our life, and we've said true or false, and we've said true to this thing. And so, we have this typically, all of us, this lie that we're telling ourselves, and if it's not true. If it's not true, we have wasted an enormous amount of energy and yeah. resources and time and it really ticks us off. Yeah. It makes us mad that we feel like. And so a part of this us kind of sabotaging ourselves, because most most people are not going to have a cancer diagnosis at 30. So I don't want to say, oh, you've got to have this horrible thing, like cancer happened to you. No, no. Right. No. We can self-sabotage in a myriad of ways we can shop at target all week long and run our credit cards through the roof and suffer, 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 suffer. So, um, we set ourselves and that's one really healthy thing that we need to start looking at as just women who love the Lord. And we want to grow in our faith is where are we sabotaging ourselves to continue to feed this lie? That's no longer Mm. true of us. Mm, That's
0: good. That is very good.
1: So we got to step out of that and cancer just helped me do that. And it's crazy. And I am not saying that is everyone's, that it needs to be that hardcore for everyone. Right. It just, it was for me. And it was, I had to get to the bottom. I had to get to the bottom mentally, emotionally, physically, where I was just clinging to the Lord. And he was, uh, gosh, he just used every part of my disease. And yes, of course, in 2015, I was... Um, deemed in remission by my Mm. oncologist. And I don't have any evidence of disease in my body right now. And it's so wonderful. It is wonderful. And I do thank God for that. But I also don't discount a single moment of that journey um, or the brevity of my life or the possibility that this thing will reoccur. Like I'm not somebody who thinks that speaking that out loud is damaging no I mean that God is in that too he really is and he was in that bed with me and he was in that disease with me and used that to heal my marriage used that to heal my me and my children's relationship um and it's so interesting because you do that's what you
0: do talk about in this book that it took God I think you say punching you in the gut with this to really truly wake you from that Christian anest- anesthesia and playing tr- in your church coma. So even through all you've been in and all the masks, you still feel like you are in that. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly Which is crazy because right. exactly I right. keep I keep hearing your story and I'm like, no, she she is. She's taking the mask off. But, no, it is, again, it's such a process.
1: Like, It it's- is. When we it's think even we've arrived, now, we Andrea, haven't. Like, yeah. I know it's even now. It's now it's kind of resurfaced. I think it resurfaces in our life in different ways. And yes. it's another level of, I do think we, we mature and I, I think life has to happen. And I'm nearing 40 this year and I'm a totally different person. I'm so excited about 40s. How old are you, Andrea? I'm
0: 43. I'll be 44 this year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. I
0: know. 40's and it's new 30 girl. I agree. And, and with the forties, I think to our kids are, you know, obviously our kids are getting older and with our kids comes a whole new level of how real and authentic can we be with um, what we're raising, what they're doing that we have no control, like it's a whole other ball game and level. I mean, I've got a 16 year old daughter and a 10 year old daughter and it's like, that's right. Okay. I'm real to an extent, but not about my children. Like, so anyway, that's um, but it's just such a process of being real. We, I think we're going to keep having to take these masks off and keep yeah. relearning. I mean, God's not done with us at all.
1: Yeah. And if we can get that with each other, can you imagine the Instagram competitions that would just okay. fall to the floor? <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: I know. I mean, that's yeah. And that social media is a whole part of it. I mean, yeah. I intentionally took off social media this summer, and it just, um, yeah, that's all. We could have several. I think we could have several oh, yeah. podcasts here. Get okay.
1: Spin-offs here. We'll, we'll, yes. we'll come okay. back
0: to all this. <laughs> uh, reeling it back in here. Okay. So. I do want to talk about um, your latest project um, in the remaining time that we have left. So your latest project is a known know by name Bible study series. Um, and I'm talking with all of the authors. There's three of you that collaborated to write this series. And you uh, were the counselor that um, gave it, and Bible teacher. But you gave a kind of a different perspective um, with your experience in counseling. So tell me how you got involved with this project.
1: This was so um thrilling of the lord to do this for me because i had this wasteland window of time where i'm haven't written a thing and i've got nothing wasted coming out but it's taking me forever to write and the manuscript's been denied two different times i've had to rewrite mm-hmm. this book and so it's so um it's just got so much in it and <laughs> anyway so i just needed a season where i was writing something outside of myself and my self story, but instead really looking in the scripture and diving deep into the word and looking at the stories of other women who are very much like me. And then on top of it, I get the icing on the cake, which is to collab not just with Naomi, Rahab and Hagar, but Jada and Nicole who are brilliant and friends and, I don't even know how it all came together. All the publishers work really. And this, and Sarah, our um, editor in chief, she just kind of loves each one of us for different reasons and uh, has followed us and loves the way that we present in different ways. And she just did a brilliant job of picking three very different people. Um, but ha- we, the three of us have an incredible energy together and saw each one of the women that we studied and taught on in such a different way And just got to do this thing, and they put it together, and we wrote known by name. And it's three Bible studies that comes with a video curriculum. And I just think it's so cool, Yeah, it really
0: really is. I mean, I've taught, gosh, Bible studies for about the last five years, and it's just different. It's very unique compared to others I've taught. I love that all three of you are in it, um, and you are being real women. Um, The one I went through was the Rahab one. And, um, gosh, you're just all so real and personable and it's just, it's a very, it's a unique study and I'm excited to go through the, the other two. Well, thank you. Tell for me. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, tell me, so I've, I've asked all of, you, um, I've asked Casey and Jada, so of the three. Like you said, Ray, Rahab, Hagar, and Naomi, who do you feel like like did you either relate to the most or did you enjoy teaching about the most? Just kind of expand on one of them mm-hmm. that was your favorite.
1: I'm just so blown away at, let me just say this, as we're reading the Bible, if we're reading to connect, so we shouldn't be reading to connect to the people so much as we're connecting to how God is relating to the people, because if yeah. we will start there and watch how God is, these are just regular women, regular women going through regular, well, really harder life than we even do um, in their day. And it is how God is relating to them that is so powerful, that changes us, It changes our mind about things. And, you know, story is the thing that is the same about all of us. And so when we see these women, there's a lot of in all three of their lives, a lot of the circumstances did not really change, but the way that they saw God changed. And that is so encouraging Mm -hmm. for me. So number one, let's just start reading the Bible that way, looking for God and all of it. But um, you asked about the women. I think the girls tease me that Rahab, because of my dicey past, I think Rahab was... (laughs) The one they want, everybody wanted me to align with, but um, I really love Naomi. Okay, that's good.
0: You're going to surprise and us. I just assumed
1: had, but sorry about no, just totally prejudging nope, judging me that too. one. Okay. No, I assumed Braham too. Uh, but then I got in there and Naomi, well, I was really frustrated actually to start Naomi. I thought it was totally boring. And they said her name and I'm like, whoa, well, uh, you know. Who wants Isn't that, to- that funny? Because
0: that's what Nicole and I talked about last week. Like we were both like, oh, she said, Did I she just said not, yeah, she said, no, she said she didn't want to do Naomi either. Like it would be the boringest <laughs> one. And so I'm like, yeah, I just think Naomi sounds boring too. So, but I she was guess. so surprised when she got into it. So yeah. Tell me about your kind of what you were surprised with, with Naomi and why you related to her.
1: That's so funny. And it even shows in our sales, like you can see the numbers <laughs> that people are buying. So many Rahabs. Doesn't <laughs> that say something? But uh, anyway, yeah, I was just going to say that, but thank you yeah. for saying. <laughs> so Naomi,
0: what about Naomi when she got into it?
1: So just that, I'll just say this. Naomi loved the Lord.
0: Mm-hmm. She was
1: a believer from the outset. She she was a believer and still was just struggled with him so deeply. And that's really what I like about her. I mean, she's not yeah. even the front the you know, the she's really is the star of the story. I mean, Ruth gets the headline, but she is her story is unpacked in far much more detail than Ruth. And she is just brilliant to watch because she is saying that she loves the Lord at the same time she's saying, I'm so mad at him. Mm. And I guess I just that just resonated with me. And maybe from the cancer thing, maybe from all this stuff, I just sat in this place with the Lord for years where I loved him so desperately. I really did. And I believed in him. But I was just so mad at him, just yeah. so mad that all this would happen and so confused and so hurt. And this is really where we, we see Naomi. I mean, she's she loves the Lord and she grew up in this culture and um, she's surrounded by pagans and heathens and uh, people who don't know the Lord. And her everything is lost. I mean, everything. And. I love that she goes back home. <laughs> I yeah. love that she is like at the bottom of herself. She has nothing else. And she's like, what do I do? Well, I'm going to go home. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, And that was really symbolic for me of the hardship that my family's had with church and how we just really didn't want it to be the answer. We just wanted to run from church or church hop for the rest of our lives, really. Um, and we now are just invested in mm-hmm. A very one, which I will tear up because Mm -hmm. I love my church. I love my Mm -hmm. church. And I want, I want some woman to hear that because it took us a long time to really get that the place that had, that we felt like where we received the most wounding would be the Mm -hmm. place we also received the most healing. And I just want someone to go back. Like, I'm just like Naomi, just go back. Just go on back. It's not going to be perfect. You're there. It's not going to have all the answers. In fact, it's going to disappoint you over and over and over again. But it is home. And it is the place where people can see you. And all of her friends come running out to her. She's coming up the path. And they say, Naomi, Naomi, they're calling her by name. And, you know, maybe that was the first time in a long time that anyone had called her by name. Or anybody had even taken the time to know her. And it had been 10 years since she'd been gone. Mm. So it doesn't matter how long you've been away. um, Go home to the people who know your name. Um, Because at the end of the day, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is greater. It allows us to love further than any other part of our life. It doesn't matter how far removed or how far away you've been. Um, that God will use the church as a place of healing and just to invest, just to go and and walk out and take all of your doubts and anger and feelings with you. And that's what I love about Naomi. She's really honest and she's not boring at all. It turns out, Andrea, she's not. Perfect. I know I'm ready to do the Naomi study.
0: I mean, for real. I mean, gosh, just yeah, just the picture you just painted for us. I mean, it's just so oh it's just you're right some women we need to hear that and there's some women that need to hear that of going going home going back to church even though you've been hurt and it's an imperfect place because you've been really hurt by the church and now you're in tears of what um just an amazing god-loving place you found and we do we need to hear that so I think, unfortunately, Casey, we've got to wrap up our time. I have just loved talking to you so much. I mean, you have just been so, um, gosh, just beyond real and authentic. And I think what I know what women need, need to hear. So thank you just for pouring out your heart in these books and in this podcast. Um, I just appreciate it so much.
1: Oh, Andrea, thank you. It's an honor. It is an honor. I don't take this lightly. And your energy and your time and your commitment to this podcast, I'm so grateful that we live in a day and time where we get to experience this microphone. This is so I, cool. This has not always been a thing, you know. I, I know.
0: It's very cool that we do have this uh, freedom as women and Christians and to get our stories out. So tell me, though, before we wrap up, I want people to know where they can find you. What's your website? We'll link everything up. But uh, Yeah, tell me where we oh, can. Oh, please. Be.
1: I would love it. I would love to. I love to connect with people. Everything is Casey Van Norman. So Facebook, okay. Instagram, at Casey Van Norman. And my website, kcvanorman.org.com, whatever. Not okay. many Casey Van Normans to compete with right. out there. So, right. And we will put back um, yeah.
0: links on your website. Um, and then you. your book, Nothing Wasted, like you said, comes out in November of 2019. And that can be purchased on Amazon or pre-ordered on Amazon, um, and other places, but we'll link that up too. And I'm excited to get that one, um, and to read it as well. Cause I know your first two have sure been encouraging, um, and just making me think at a deeper level about a lot of things. So again, thank you so much, Casey.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Continue to pray for you and champion your ministry. So keep going girl. Didn't I tell you you would love this woman's
0: truth-telling and honesty? I'm so grateful for women like Casey who aren't afraid to be real and share their stories and give God the ultimate glory instead of letting shame have the final word. I hope Casey's story has encouraged you to look at your own life story and see how even the most painful and shameful parts can be used by the Lord. If you want to connect with Casey or read any of her books, as always, you can find links to where to connect and purchase them at the Her Story Speaks website at herstoryspeaks.com. As we mentioned, her newest book, Nothing Wasted, releases November 1st, but if you go to Casey's website, you can find where to pre-order the book and get some free bonus material. Thanks for listening.